Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Special Advising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, the show that speaks to parents and caregivers about the world of special needs and special education. If you crave knowledge, support, and a little dash of fun, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Mark, and let me start off by thanking you so much for joining me here. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my dad, who had just passed away at 88. It's with a very heavy heart that I record this installment, but I think he would appreciate that I continue my mission to help others. I know he'd want me to forge on. So let's forge on. Today's show is entitled Special Needs Parenting Tips, where we'll take a look at four worthwhile approaches to a happier home. Managing your family and taking care of your special needs child can be overwhelming. In this episode, I'll discuss what I feel are four essential practices that I've witnessed succeed for many of my clients, which translates into a more positive and functional home life for the entire family. Afterwards, stay tuned for special needs trivia to test that big, beautiful brain of yours, followed by today's community share, where you'll hear some positive news happening in the world of special needs and special education. And then don't miss a new segment entitled completely made up, inspiring interview with a famous children's character. So with love and remembrance, let's dig our feet in and keep our eye on another win. However difficult life may seem, There's always something you can do and succeed at. Stephen Hawking. No parent has all of the answers for how to handle raising a child with special needs, and sometimes it can feel like you're flailing in the wind. Behavior management is structured to position you to handle or respond to unruly, disturbing, and or upsetting situations in a way that allows you to remain calm, consistent, and reduce your stress levels. And that's because it works for you. As the chosen strategy begins to influence a positive change in behavior, your work lessens. It's always uh, the initial phase that requires the heavy lifting. In addition, it influences a decrease in emotional reactions from you that can cause your child to increase their level of upset and potentially lead to elevated tantrums or meltdowns. We've spoken about how a mindful approach can benefit all of our strategies in episodes one and two, and this is an example of that. By establishing a behavior strategy and being mindful of the process and how we respond to the child involved will increase the likelihood of success. Here are four approaches to parenting a child with special needs that can benefit you and your child and impact your home life in functionally healthy ways. Ben Franklin said, For every minute spent organizing, an hour is earned. Keep this in mind as we explore the first approach, organizing your environment. Limiting distractions from your environment that might lead to anxiety and stress for your child and keeping that environment as consistent as possible is an important first step towards a happier home life. From the Mississippi College webpage, when students with special needs are asked to work independently, the organization of their workspace is critical for success. This could mean labeling places where they are working for each item they will need for the project or assignment, color coding materials and subjects, and laminating checklists. Students in special education settings are also learning skills they require to become more self-sufficient 
which in turn requires a classroom that is well-organized and labeled. So, if organization in a school is shown to be critical for a learner's success, it might follow that an organized home is equally significant. First, invest in research on your child's disability in relation to some of the alterations you might want to make in your home to create an adaptive and functional physical space. Whether that means accommodating a wheelchair or creating sensory-sensitive environments in your home, labeling frequently used items, hanging routines and schedules, organizing closets, and laying out clothes for each day of the week. You have to live in this space also, so you have to be happy with how you arrange your home. If you can create a space that flows in a manner that reduces potential for injury and lessens anxiety for your child, then do it to the degree that your house structurally allows. And make sure you add the kind of touches that make you happy to be home as well. Your child's needs will always require sacrifices, but they don't have to exclude the importance of having space for you or decor that is satisfying. Once things are set up, be very aware of the impact that moving something can take on your child. For neurodevelopmentally disabled or emotionally challenged children, you want to give them fair warning of any changes. Organizing can be initially challenging, and the sooner you proceed, I believe the greater the advantage you'll have, as you won't have to overcome behaviors that can take hold and become the norm when your home is more randomly set up or lacking order. Clearing clutter by putting toys and clothes and containers and closets with labels is a big help. I know the kids can be hoarders, and this is something that can be worked on with a schedule, routine, and rewards. The benefits for investing the time into this important aspect of raising your child will outweigh the chore of making it happen. Once again, any changes, and this relates to every situation where you have some control over what is happening, are helped by sharing with your child beforehand, so there's no big surprises. I'm including an article that features 10 ways for special needs families to get organized in my community share page. It's not our disabilities, it's our abilities that count. Chris Burke. Our second approach is encouraging independence. From How to Promote Self-Determination for Children with Disabilities by Jill Groton and Marianne Demchak, self-determination skills are one evidence-based predictor of post-school employment, education, and independent living success. That's from Test et al. 2009, as cited in Wayman 2013. In short, self-determination means having control or taking charge of things in your life. Regardless of how severe a disability an individual might have, self-determination is important because it gives the individual control over aspects of his or her life. Now, as parents, it's easy to do for your child. However, many kids might want to do more but don't know how to go about it or are unaware or aren't given the chance. A natural inclination many of us have when it comes to burdening a child or adult with a disability is to not do it at all. We determine for that person what they're capable of and decide what is reasonable and what's not. But how fair is that to the individual to take away choice from them? I imagine you wouldn't like it to happen to you. There are reasonable tasks to ask an individual with a disability or a special need to do. We're not protecting them by keeping responsibility for themselves from them. We teach anyone we do for to be reliant on others. So learn your child's capabilities and limits 
and don't be afraid to ask them to do something safe and within reason that you might have considered not a doable activity. Something seemingly elementary to us, like folding a kitchen towel, can be a huge accomplishment for your child and allows them to contribute to the family while offering them an opportunity to feel a great sense of self-satisfaction. Find your kitchen towel activity. The worst that can happen is that it's not a good fit and you can try something else. But don't let your own fears limit what your child can do. From the same article, as I mentioned earlier, in regards to choice making at home, give your child options, like choice making within the family schedule. For example, brush teeth first or brush hair first. Teach choice making in ways that are appropriate for the family. Example, toys, games, clothes. Teach within activity choice making. For example, sit on the couch or on the floor. Which bedtime story to read? Which pajamas to wear? These next suggestions align with organization and support what I mentioned earlier in order to increase independence at home. Place toys in accessible spaces like bins on the floor that a child can access without help and clean up independently. Keep toys in the same space with a consistent organization system so the child learns how to find toys independently and where to put toys when cleaning up. Move objects that may make independent moving around the house difficult. For example, move rugs that block or prevent the use of a walker or wheelchair. Keep furniture in predictable spaces. Child-sized furnishings, like a small table where he or she can sit to play. Teach the child to explore the feeling of flooring and or to touch walls as he or she moves about the family's living space. Use predictable and consistent routines so children can anticipate what's going to happen next. Encourage use of adaptive equipment and assistive technology so the child can more easily participate in family activities and play with friends. And encourage the use of adaptive assistive equipment as necessary in daily activities. I worked with a teenager on the spectrum who used to contribute little to nothing to the home and whose acting out might deter any parent from risking to offer even the most minimal chore responsibility. However, we, the family and I, dared to introduce him to doing his own laundry. Not only did it work out over a brief trial and practice period, but now he does the laundry for the family and his grandparents on occasion. If you can't think of age and needs appropriate chores for your child, there's a lot of information at your fingertips. I'm glad to supply you with any suggestions. Feel free to contact me. I'll include some ideas on my community share page as well. Your words as a parent have great power. Use them wisely and make sure they come from the heart. Carolina King. A third approach is wanting to eliminate no, stop, wrong, don't, and bad from your vocabulary. Any negative language directed at us has the potential to do damage to our self-worth. If you're constantly being told that you are wrong or that what you did was bad, it makes sense that you might begin to believe that you can't do anything right and that you're no good. Your sense of self and where you belong, as opposed to knowing that we all belong, can suffer. This is a huge button issue for me. Can you imagine a world where we encourage and build each other up at times when there are lessons to learn? Where we use gentle guidance to address mistakes or inappropriate behavior? 
instead of pointing out your child's mistakes as if they should naturally know better. Why can't we use more positive language to train our child towards thinking more positively about themselves and ultimately the world around them and how to relate to it? In many cases, children have no reference for alternatives because they haven't been taught them and their feelings aren't being considered. Just saying no means nothing other than pointing out to the other that they have done something unacceptable and that you disapprove. And that can feel like a sledgehammer. Teach. Explain. I believe that's our job as role models. Another potential consequence when children are constantly told no and stop is that they might become hesitant to take chances or believe in their ability to make good choices. Don't be fooled by your child's inability to communicate their feelings on this. Don't mistake that for compliance and comfortable acceptance. They suffer like all of us at the hands of negativity. Our language choices make all the difference in the world as to how we interact within it. We're a civilization of language and communication, and our word choices help to create and impact our immediate environments. I suggest to use positive, forward-thinking word empowerment and guidance. For example, instead of don't hit, we can say quiet hands or kind touching, followed by modeling. Instead of don't yell, we can say use your quiet voice or inside voice. Again, followed by a sharing example. Instead of no, we can direct and model the preferred way to do something. Let me show you how to, or a better choice might be. If someone does something wrong, take the time to explain why it's wrong instead of calling them out. Here are some alternatives to language choices. Instead of calm down, you might say, how can I help you? Instead of stop crying, you might say, I can see this is hard for you. Instead of saying, you're okay, we can actually ask, are you okay? Instead of be quiet, we can ask, can you use a softer voice? Instead of don't hit, we might say, please be gentle. Instead of stop yelling, we might say, take a deep breath, then tell me what happened. Instead of saying, don't get upset, we can say, it's okay to feel sad. And instead of saying, that's enough, we might say, do you need a hug? Consistency is harder when no one is clapping for you. You must clap for yourself during those times. You should always be your biggest fan. Anonymous. The fourth and final approach is guiding and changing behaviors requires three things. Time, patience, which includes a steady calm on the outside, and consistency. Approach behaviors the same way each time. All of the previous approaches hinge greatly upon these three attributes, particularly at the start of an, any endeavor or strategy to encourage growth in your child and a more manageable home environment. It takes a mindful approach and commitment to their healthy implementation. But the return on your investment is the reduction of negative behaviors and the lessening need to have to teach right from wrong and yes from no. From VeryWellFamily.com in an article entitled, Why Does Consistency Matter in Parenting? by Jill Cedar, she says, Consistency is one of the most essential and productive strategies for effective parenting. Consistency means purposely choosing how you're going to engage with or respond to your child. The key is not varying that intention and practice over time. 
For example, choosing not to yell and to calm yourself down before responding to your child is one of the greatest gifts you can give your child. Consistency in structure, rules, and routines provides limits and boundaries for children. These help them to organize and integrate information and gain an understanding of how the world works and how they should behave. I'm aware that time can be a limited commodity and patience sometimes lies deep in the well of our being and that well can feel as dry as the desert. However, making the commitment to using your time constructively and scouring the well for extra drops of patience is so worth the effort and sacrifices. And again, consistency will always be necessary, but the payoff is the lessening need for time and patience to achieve your goals for your child as your structured environment and more self-confident and loved child progresses and their behaviors diminish. And remember what Ben Franklin said, because the work you put in at the beginning will lessen the work you need to do ultimately. And as always, mindful consideration during all of your interactions can increase your chances of success. In today's trivia segment, we have two questions to challenge you and test the bounds of your brilliance. Number one, which of the following is not a law pertaining to individuals with disabilities? Is it A, ADA, B, ARRA, C, IDEA, or D, NCLB? Number two, which of the following is a type of learning disability? A, reading slash learning disability. B, mathematics slash learning disability. C, resistant to treatment. Or D, all of the above. And good luck to you. Today's Good News Community Share comes from goodnewsnetwork.org and is entitled, France's First Public Official with Down Syndrome Helps Everyone See Disability Differently by Andy Corbley. In the town of Arras in northern France, the country's first ever appointed official with Down Syndrome is leading from the front, changing hearts and minds, and bringing a new perspective on mental disability. In 2020, Eleanor Lalou was appointed municipal councillor of Arras under the mayor Frédéric Le Turc, for which she has received continual praise for her colorful nature, her insatiable desire to make people smile, and for promoting the inclusivity of disabled persons in society. On October 15th, Ms. Lalou was awarded membership of the National Order of Merit, the second highest civilian honor roll in the country. Inclusion isn't something that we just think about. It's not a generous act. It's our duty, says Mayor Leturk. Eleanor has helped the entire town progress in terms of how we see disability. Along with holding down a part-time job at a hospital, a packed volunteer schedule, and a board position on Down Up, a nonprofit her father launched to support community members with Down syndrome and their families, 
Lalu has made numerous adjustments to everyday community features in Arras to support disabled people, not exclusively those with Down syndrome, but other forms as well. Arras's famous town center, town hall, and belfry are a UNESCO heritage site, and for those who can ascend to the top, Lalu organized and commissioned the creation of a virtual tour. Down below, crosswalk lights now sound off verbal instructions for those who can't hear or see. She's also scheduled an event to inspire disabled people and the community at large through sports and culture. I'm a very committed and dynamic person, and I like to be out working with people, says Ms. Lalu, who in 2014 wrote a book which roughly translates to Down Syndrome. So what? Her appointment is by no means a gimmick to gain support from sensitive constituents. She's made some brilliant changes in civil life. One such accomplishment is opening Arras to a Dutch method of civil society called the nudge, a sort of come on then to the community to get them to treat it better. Nothing could better represent this than putting small imitation basketball hoops over public trash bins. She's continued her activism on behalf of those with Down syndrome with her Friends for Eleanor Foundation, even during public life and argues vociferously against those with a limited understanding of the capabilities of disabled persons. If you have a story you'd like to share, I would love to read it right here in the Good News Community Share. A news segment today is entitled Completely Made Up Inspiring Interview with a Famous Children's Character. This interview comes from a, a writing exercise in uh, blog writing that I partook in, and I thought it might f be fun to include here because it concerns a character who struggled with fears and phobias, and I thought um, to approach the interview from a place where it showed this character's growth as he aged. I imagine some of the life lessons he learned, and I'd like to share them with you right here. Today's completely made-up interview is with Mr. Charlie Brown of Peanuts fame. Mr. Brown has notoriously suffered from pantophobia, and today we have the chance to catch up on his journey and see where life has taken him. I am fortunate today to be able to sit down for a rare interview with Mr. Charlie Brown. Mr. Brown is retired and living a quiet life in retreat. He's kind enough to make himself available, and although generous, his time is limited. Mr. Charlie Brown, how are you, sir? Good grief. Thank you for asking. I'm well. I once said, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It's already tomorrow in Australia. With that knowledge, how could I be anything else? Such positivity. Looking back on your life, how common was it to feel positive? Oh, brother, that's a good question. I don't feel life was always negative. I feel like there were times where I was walking on jagged pieces of carved pumpkins, but they were always followed by lessons that softened the pulp. I famously declared that I suffered from pantophobia. The fear of everything, yes, I recall. Right! Back at a time where I imagined life was still somewhat of a blanketed mystery draped in pantophobia, you said, quote, I only dread one day at a time. Yes. I was very young and green. I saw life narrowly and only in terms of how it affected me. 
I learned that my misery needed to be paced, or I could be overrun by it. Taking it one day at a time, even with dread in mind, made sense and enabled me to manage. Is that statement still true today? Good grief! I hate to imagine still believing that at this stage in my life. Despite my bumpy roads and phobic existence, I strongly believe that there is so much to appreciate. Linus said, Learning to ignore things is one of the great paths to inner peace. I took that to heart and realized that letting go and going with the flow was my only way through. And that's how I live my life today. You might change my quote to, I only dread not appreciating each day I have. That, and ignoring the things I have no control over, allow me that peace Linus is referring to. Knowing myself allows me to dismiss the sillies of life. At the end of the day, we have to be able to look at ourselves as we see us. Do you feel loved, finally? Snoopy said, I don't have time to worry about who doesn't like me. I'm too busy loving the people who love me. Yes, I feel loved, and I love hard back. It's the essence of life, isn't it? Having one person who loves you gives you the strength to get off the ground and keep trying to kick that football. Mr. Charlie Brown, I want to thank you for this rare opportunity to speak with you. I'm certain that your life is an inspiration to many. Any last thoughts? In the book of life, the answers aren't in the back. I felt that when I first said it, and do so to this day. I believe that the answers are in our experiences. You have to find the ones that make sense for you. All the best to you, sir. Thank you for this gift today. It feels like Christmas, and I am happy. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to be heard by and to share with you. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like the show, please let me know. It would be great to hear from you or leave a review and tell a friend. Also, let me know what you'd like to learn more about. And to my dad, I miss you, pal. But you're in my mind's eye and my broken heart. Until next time, I wish all my listeners peace and keep rising. Music